Well, good morning. If you would, grab a copy of Scripture and open your Bible to Luke chapter 8. The 8th chapter of the book of Luke as we are preaching our way through the gospel of Luke. And the Lord has been so gracious to continually bestow upon us uh, His blessing and speak to us in such relevant, vivid ways through Luke. And so this morning we find ourselves in the 8th chapter. Um, If you will recall, two weeks ago, we completed the study of the parable of the soils that opens Luke chapter 8. And there, what we see is Jesus telling a story about a farmer who plants seeds. And this story is really a story about the way in which the human heart hears the Word of God. The seeds in the story represent God's Word and the different soils that are represented in the story represent the human heart condition as we hear the Word of God. And so just to remind you, we saw four types of soil. The first type was uh, the seed that fell upon the path and uh, the, the walkway that was hard and unable to receive the seed, and so it was too hard to grow. It represents a heart that is hard. The second Uh, seed fell on shallow soil. And so that was a rocky soil. It initially sprouted up and appeared to have life, but then it quickly faded away. The third seed fell among the weeds. And as it began to grow, the weeds came up and choked it out and it faded away as well. But the fourth soil was fertile soil and that seed fell upon that soil And not only did it take, not only did it grow, but Jesus said it would grow and multiply and produce and become fruitful. And not just fruitful, but a hundredfold fruitful. What a blessing that uh, the promise of God is. And so today I want us to look at the following verses beginning in verse 16 as we're going to see further instruction along the lines of how we hear and as it pertains to us today, we will look at the topic of a fruitful father. So read with me in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 16. The Word of God says, No one, Jesus speaking, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known or come to light. Therefore take heed how you hear. For whoever has to him more will be given. Whoever does not have even what seems that he seems to have will be taken from him. Then his mother, Jesus' mother and his brothers came to him, but could not approach him because of the crowd. And so it was told to Jesus by some who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But Jesus answered and said unto them, My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Now I know that the last part of this section that we're looking at today often represents a huge problem for people. This is what is often referred to as a hard saying of Jesus. It really isn't. uh, There are some that are a little more difficult to understand. This one is just, uh, I guess, opens us up for naturally without thinking or understanding context. You could certainly get twisted around. And so when we get to the end of the message and deal with, with that part, you will see that what appears to be dreadful news is actually wonderful news. So here's what I'd like us to begin with. I want us to look at four characteristics of a faithful father. And I want to begin this morning by doing 
a couple things. First of all, I want you to know that it is of my humble opinion that to be a father of a Christian home may be the most difficult of all earthly callings. It is an incredibly difficult job. And God puts an enormous amount of responsibility on the shoulders of husbands and fathers. So I'd like to begin today by asking all the fathers to please stand in the auditorium. If you would please stand and let us just recognize you. Thank God for you. We're very grateful for you. And before you sit down, before you sit down, I want you to hear something from my heart, okay? It would be very easy for me to stand up here this morning and to kick you and to condemn you and to to remind you of all the things that you're doing wrong and all the areas in your life where you are or have fallen short. But listen, I simply want to present God's challenge to you, but I want to encourage you. I want you to understand that before I preach this morning, that every single one of us, every dad in this room, there's not one of us in here that doesn't wish we would have done certain things better, that if we could take it back and do it again, it is an amazingly difficult job to lead a family for the Lord. And so I salute you, I love you, and I hope that you're encouraged this morning. Thank you for standing up. I appreciate you being here this morning. So let's look at four characteristics of a faithful father and understand, everyone who didn't stand, that every single one of these principles applies to you as well. We're simply focusing on dads today, but really these are universal principles for all believers. The first thing I want you to see is that a faithful or a fruitful father is not ashamed of the gospel. So a dad who produces fruit is an unashamed father of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In verse 16, the Lord Jesus says, No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. Now, this is one of Jesus' favorite sayings. Jesus loves to... He uses this all throughout the Gospels in various different contexts. He will use this illustration of a light that's being hidden. Sometimes He says, you know, a city on a hill. He says that you are the light of the world. And three or four times He says no one would light a light and then hide it under a basket or under a bed or in various ways. He uses this illustration to draw our attention to how ridiculous it would be for someone to go to the trouble of lighting a light and then hiding it. And no one would do that. Well, in the same way, no one in whom God has lit the light of the gospel within is going to conceal it. What Jesus is saying here is that it is absurd that we would think someone would light a light and then put it under a bed But it's equally as inconceivable and absurd to imagine that a human life, a human heart, would receive the greatest imaginable gift and then not want to tell anyone about it. That simply would make zero sense. It simply is illogical to think of. But in our day and time, in our culture, we have sort of set a condition in our lives where we are not astonished by people who would profess on Sundays to be believers, but yet have no gospel witness. But according to the Bible, 
that situation should be a situation of great concern. Because when God lights the light inside of you, it must shine forth. See, fathers in particular, who hear well, who hear the Word of God, reproduce their faith in the lives of those around them. And so what a fruitful father does is hears the Word of God with the intent of telling others about what he has heard and what he has learned. God has ordained, according to Ephesians 5, that the man is the head of the household. And therefore, the Word of God enters the household through the father. The blessing is bestowed upon the wife and then from there to the children. And so it is critical to understand that Jesus is merely drawing our attention to this issue of hearing because that's the context of all of these passages. It's about hearing and how do you hear. And so it's it's really an issue of, if you're struggling this morning, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, you know, I don't really know if that's me. Maybe I might not be totally ashamed of the gospel, but maybe I'm kind of ashamed of the gospel, then let me just plead with you to first recognize what is at stake. Because you as a father of all people are called by God to lead by example, to listen well, that so much of what spiritually will go on in your home depends on your hearing and your heart. Listen to what's at stake according to Paul. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. But here's why. He said, For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. That is, the gospel is the only way to salvation. And a father who's ashamed of the gospel, a mother who's ashamed of the gospel, a a professing believer who's ashamed of the gospel, has squandered every opportunity to see the lives of people around us touch. Jesus is much more stern in his warning according to this uh, shame that some may feel. He says in Mark chapter 8, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in glory, the glory of his Father with the holy angels. That's a strong statement. And so I am merely pleading with you this morning to hear the Word of God as it calls us to be light. Dads, to be fruitful as a father, you must not be ashamed of the gospel. The second characteristic I want you to see of a fruitful father is that a fruitful father is the same in private as he is in public. Notice what the Lord says in verse 17. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Now, there's a couple of assumptions being made here, two to be specific, that Jesus is referring to in this one singular verse that seems to have two parts. First, Jesus makes the assumption that some people are going to attempt to hide certain things. Notice it says, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden. Now, how ridiculous is the notion that a person may attempt to hide something from Almighty God? 
that, that somehow we could do things in secret or in the darkness of our own room or in the hidden away places of our office or in the privacy of our car or wherever the case may be, that somehow we could do things that God would be unaware of, that He would not know, that somehow He wouldn't see. And yet, Jesus is calling our attention to that people always have and always will convince themselves of impossible things in order to dismiss their responsibility before God. The prophet Isaiah says this, Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, Who sees us? Who will know? The Lord will know. The Bible goes on to tell us in Proverbs chapter 5, For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all of his paths. Job made this clear when he said, Does not God see my ways and count all my steps? So the first assumption Jesus is drawing to light here is that we have a tendency to try to hide things, especially dads, because we're prideful. And, and we don't want to look bad. And, and we, we have this, uh, this built-in manly pride that, that makes us want to appear to be often things even when we're not. And so we, in our flesh, in our humanness, we will attempt to hide things. But we need to be reminded, Jesus is reminding us, number one, that it's futile. That He knows everything about you. And in fact, that should not scare you as much this morning as that ought to excite you. That ought to overwhelm you. Because if Jesus knows everything about you and He knows everything about me and yet He still offers His love to us, what does that say about Him? You see, instead of, uh, instead of realizing that He can see everything, which in and of itself is a bit astonishing and scary, we ought to be blown away by the fact that the God of the universe would know how wicked our hearts are and yet still offer the invitation for us to know Him and to belong to Him, to be His children and to be part of His blessed family. That's an overwhelming blessing. But the second assumption here in this verse, in the second half we see, Jesus is saying that hypocrisy will not go unnoticed. Notice the second half. He says, For nothing in secret will, nothing that is in secret will be revealed, but everything hidden that will not be known will come to light. In other words, Jesus is saying that though we will attempt to hide, everything we attempt to hide will not only be hidden from God, but it will also come to light. In other words, the Bible makes clear again that God is a just God. He's a fair God. He's a good God. And would He be a good God if He overlooked things, if He pretended not to see things, if He looked at your life and my life and the things that maybe we didn't want Him to see, He just turned the other way and said, well, you know, I'm just going to give you a pass on that or ignore that that ever happened. Then He wouldn't be just and He wouldn't be right and we couldn't trust Him. But that's not the God that we serve. The book of Ecclesiastes says, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whatever good or evil. The writer of Hebrews says that there is no creature hidden from His sight, and all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him whom we must give account. Now you think about this. You think about how does this play out in in families oftentimes. For example, imagine a family that 
is in church and uh, is always here every time the doors are open and all the children have their own Bibles and all the kids go to all the camps or involved in all the different things that go on here. But yet you go to their house and visit them and no one in the home seems to get along with one another. There's the, the man who is here all the time. And here just seems like a pillar in the faith. But then when you meet someone who works at his job, you find out that all the people who work with him have no respect for him, that he's some sort of tyrant when he's at the workplace. And you think, well, well, what's going on here? What's wrong here? What's wrong is that you cannot hide hypocrisy. It will play out in your life. It will come to light. You cannot pretend to be a source of light. You can't pretend. Either it's authentic or it will be to your doom and your destruction. It's the tongue that sings praises to God on Sunday and gossips about other people on Monday. It will find you out. And so what Jesus is doing is drawing our attention to the fact that true disciples are marked by the light of the gospel shining through their lives. And any attempt, any attempt by us to hide, to conceal, to be a hypocrite in due time will be exposed. So a fruitful father is not ashamed of the gospel. A fruitful father is the same in private as he is in public. And a fruitful father, number three, is careful how he listens. Look with me at verse 18. Notice the Lord Jesus says, Therefore... Take heed how you hear. This is really the central thought in this whole section of Scripture. The entire parable of the soils and all these verses that follow are centered around this one statement. Jesus is pleading with you and me to pay close attention to our hearing. That every time you come to church, every time you read your Bible, every time you hear the Word of God, that you understand that there is much more at stake than simply staying awake. Than simply not getting distracted by what else is going on around you. By not thinking about all the things that you have to do today. By not worrying about what you have waiting for you at work on Monday. There is a great deal at stake. So let's break this verse down into pieces. So Jesus follows this central theme of therefore take heed how you hear. And my question is why? Why? Why should I take heed how I hear? Why should I be so concerned or so vigilant about my hearing? Well, because Jesus is going to tell us in the very next statement that for whoever has, you might underline has in your Bible. You might look at that and say, now has what? What is Jesus talking about? Jesus is saying whoever has salvation, whoever has received the word, whoever has a soft, pliable heart that is open to what God has to say. Jesus begins by drawing our attention to those who have fertile hearts and who receive the word. You see, the good news is, is that this is the beginning 
of an unbelievable statement that Jesus is going to sort of bring to clarity some of our misconceptions like He does with this illustration of light in the beginning. Now He's coming back to it and He's saying, now, if you have, if you're authentic, if you're real, then what? To Him, underline, more is given. In other words, Jesus is saying here that Christianity is not this moment in time where you walk an aisle and sign a card. It wasn't when you were 8 years old and got baptized or 12 years old and made a profession at a camp. It's not this one moment in time where you made a decision and then sort of went on and went back to living your life. That's not at all what Christianity is. That's something that we've sort of dreamed up and made up that the Bible knows nothing of. The Bible refers to those who have as people who will receive more. You see, the good news for you this morning is that if you are a born-again child of God, then your journey doesn't end. That you get more and more and more of Him every single day. And your hearing is important because every time you sit before the Word of God, God has more for you. He's not done with you. He loves you. You are a continual project and He is continually molding and shaping you. And you should be excited about that. That there's nothing boring or dull about the Christian life. The Christian life is an adventure. And it will last every moment that you have on this earth. Every breath that you have. God loves you and He has more for you. He's not finished with you. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, you are His child. He loves you and He has more for you. What a blessing. The Lord says for those who have, to Him more is given. In the first chapter of John, Jesus says of true believers that we... And of His fullness we have received and grace for grace. It's grace upon grace. Ephesians 1, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You see this morning... That at the moment of conversion, in the instant that you give your heart to Christ, you are redeemed, you are justified, you are converted, you are made new. But there's more for you every day. There's grace upon grace. You've been given every blessing in the spiritual realm. You don't have to sit here this morning and be discouraged because of all the things you can't. Because in Christ you can He's given you what you need. You have every opportunity. He will help you. He will walk with you. He will go with you. The only question Christ has for you this morning is, will you listen? Will you listen? And will you respond to what He says? Be encouraged. Be encouraged, dads. That there's more. That if you have, if you have received the Word, There's more for you. Notice the latter part of verse 18. Therefore take heed how you hear, for whoever has to him more will be given. And then next Jesus is going to turn his attention to those who do not have. And he's going to give us two categories of those who don't have. The first category is going to be those who openly reject what they hear. And then secondly, we're going to see those who pretend to receive. But both fall into the category of do not having. He says this, And whoever does not have, underline not, those who don't listen, 
Those that the seed falls on hard, hard ground. They don't have. This is what the parable of the soils describes as the indifferent father. This is the father that the Word of God falls on that is hard ground, like the path that's been beaten down from all the traffic. And the seed simply sits atop the ground and the birds come and steal it away and it's gone. You see, when you're indifferent... When you do not have, when you clearly don't have, when you sit and know that you don't have, when people around you know you don't have, and it doesn't seem to move you, it doesn't seem to rattle you, it doesn't seem to shake you, you have a hard heart. And that's a very dangerous place to be. Because the Bible says that the hardening of a heart can lead you to a place where there is no remedy. And that's a sermon for another day, but it's a dangerous place to be. Listen to what the writer of Proverbs says, that he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. It will bring you calamity. You know, there's some tendencies in dads who have a hard heart. And I think that the tendencies go along with the high calling and the pressure that we often find on ourselves to lead and care for our families. Because it is, as I said in the beginning, a great pressure. But God's there to help you. And He's there to walk beside you. And I see four tendencies represented by four questions I'd like to ask that will reveal whether or not you are one who does not have and who has a hard or hardening heart. The first question is this. The father who has a hard heart will oftentimes blame other people. You know, whatever the problem is, it's... It's not really my fault. It's not really my responsibility. This is an example of a hard heart because a dad who understands the command of Scripture understands that whatever happens in your home is your responsibility. It's not your fault. It's your responsibility. And those two things are very different. And so a father who blames other people has a hard heart. Number two, do you let others take the fall for your mistakes? You see, again, I draw your attention to this issue of responsibility. When a father lets other people take the fall for things in his home, he often has a hard heart because he is shirking his responsibility or delegating away something to someone in the home that was never intended to carry that. Thirdly, do you distance yourself from tough situations at home? You know, dads, there's a tendency oftentimes that when you don't have... And you know that there's critical situations and you know that there's problems that must be dealt with. Suddenly you're mysteriously overwhelmed at work. Suddenly, mysteriously, you have all these things that you have to do. And oftentimes the wife is left there to be the disciplinarian, to be the one to sort things out, to deal with the situations that have gone undone. I want to encourage you today. I don't want to discourage you. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to accept responsibility and do not distance yourself in difficult situations in your home. That's when you as a dad must be prominent at the forefront, standing in the midst of it. You are the the general. You are the one that that God has ordained to be the, the peacemaker and to bring the resolution and to pray with your family and your children and to sort out the issue and how it's going to go. And trust me, your wife and children desire that. They've been designed by God to want to follow a godly man. Please don't distance yourself when things get tough. And thirdly, do you refuse to listen 
to your family. One of the easiest ways to see a man who has a hard heart is they simply will not listen. You talk to them and it just bounces right off and goes another direction. You try to have a conversation about a spiritual issue. You try to get them to deal with a circumstance or situation. And it's always something else. It's always this diversion. And your own family, it gets frustrated because you won't listen to them. God has given you, you cannot lead. You cannot lead those you won't hear. You must listen to our wives and listen to our children. Listen to their hearts. Listen to what's going on within them. And then respond appropriately to what we have heard God teach us. So there's those who do not have. Then Jesus turns again and brings our attention to the latter part of the verse that says, even what He seems to have. So you can underline seems. In other words, these are those who pretend to have. So these are represented by the impulsive father who is the, the soil that is shallow. That they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they don't have any root. They don't have any depth. Their, their heart is shallow and they believe for a while, but as soon as life gets hard, they fade away and they find themselves impulsive. You see, impulsive dads don't, don't count the cost of being a spiritual leader. It is hard to follow God. It is hard work to lead a family. It is hard to be diligent and devoted and dedicated to what God calls us to do. It's not simple. The gospel is simple and God's command is simple. But listen, in your everyday life, trapped in the flesh that we all live in, everything is going to come against you. And it's going to try to rip apart your schedule. It's going to try to take apart everything you think is going to be. But listen, you have to pursue. You have to overwhelm. You have to endure. Don't give up. Don't back up. Don't retreat. Understand, don't be shallow. You must be deep in your roots because the wind is going to blow and the rain is going to come. And don't be washed away. Don't be impulsive as a dad. Hear from the Lord and then speak that blessing to those that God has entrusted to you and do not fall away in a time of temptation. The other pretender is the inconvenient father. And this is the the father that's described in verse 14 of the parable of the soils that has a crowded heart. This is the seed that falls among the thorns. This is the dad who receives the word seemingly on the outside, who comes to church and who's involved and who maybe even wants to talk about what Sunday school was about on the way home and sort of plays the game. But his heart's crowded. He's really not interested in the things of God. What he's really interested in is making money. What he's really interested in is climbing the corporate ladder. What he's really interested in is his job or his success or his golf score or whatever the case may be. And so his life is crowded up with all of these things, all of these treasures. And so all day long is spent polishing the ornaments of his success rather than molding and shaping the people that God has placed in your life and given you an opportunity to be a part of. That is a tragedy. And to be an inconvenient father is to really be farewell. It's to just be there when it's okay, when it's convenient for you, when you have time, but when everything else is going on, whenever... Listen... I know the pressure 
that there is upon each and every man in this room to provide and to work and to, to earn. But listen, that's not the most important thing. It's not. And if you sit down with your wife and children and you ask them, what they will tell you is, is that they would rather live in a tent and ride a bike and have your time than all that your job can buy them. The inconvenient father is the father who always justifies his lack of time and commitment by buying things for his family that will not meet their ultimate need. So a fruitful father is not ashamed of the gospel. He's the same in private as he is in public. He's careful how he listens. And finally, the fruitful father is part of the family of God. Look at verse 19. Jesus says, the Bible says, Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they couldn't approach him because of the crowd. And so it was told to him by some that your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they desire to see you. And Jesus answers with this astonishing answer. And he says, well, my brother, my mother and my brothers are are these who hear the word of God and do it. And initially, these questions spring into our mind. Is, Is Jesus saying that when you become a Christian, you forsake your family? Is somehow following Christ anti family? Is God saying that, that earthly family's bad and that we should all just forget about all that and focus only on the family of God? Well, not at all. Not at all. Jesus is teaching a principle that rules this universe. And my prayer is that when I say this, it will begin to illumine in your minds. That this principle is true in every circumstance and every situation in your lives. This principle is simply that obedience is the key to experiencing family. Obedience is the key to experiencing family. Whether it is family in your earthly family family in your spiritual family, obedience is the key to experiencing family. If you're not experiencing family with God, then you will not experience family with anyone else because it simply won't work. Notice the relationship Jesus has with His heavenly Father. Jesus says in John chapter 4, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. That Jesus says, that's my sustenance. In John chapter 5, Jesus says, I did not seek my own will, but to do the will of the Father who sent me. That even in, the, even in the agony of Gethsemane, before His crucifixion, Jesus prays, Lord, not my will, but Yours. That I desire more than anything to be pleasing unto You. The relationship between God the Son and God the Father was amazing and unbelievable and unified because God the Son was obedient to God the Father. Now, in your life, if you desire to have family and relationship with your heavenly Father, it comes through obedience to His will for your life. Jesus is using this illustration to call to your attention that apart from obedience, apart from hearing and doing, you won't have family with God. 
Some of you would say this morning that you are here, you are sitting here, but you feel distant. You feel God is away from you. You feel God doesn't love you and He doesn't speak to you. And chances are the problem that you have is that you're disobedient. That there are things in your life that God's calling you to do, but you won't do them. And that breaks family. And guess what happens in our earthly family? When there's no obedience in your home, there's no family. And Jesus is at a place in His ministry where His own earthly family is at odds with Him. The Bible says in Mark chapter 3, same period of time, the Bible tells us this in verse 21, that when His own people, when His own family heard about what He was doing, they went out to lay hold of Him or to arrest Him, to stop Him. For they said, He is out of His mind. Jesus' earthly family was opposed to Him. They didn't believe that He was the Son of God. They thought He was crazy and they sought to stop Him. And so when they come and He is teaching and they say, your mother and your brothers are outside and they'd love to see you, that's why He responds, my mother and my brothers are those who hear my word and do it. It's the circumstance and situation that Jesus is in. Apart from obedience, there can be no family. But listen... Did it stay that way? Think about this. Think about Jesus on the cross just before death, literally struggling his last gasps of air, and he musters the strength to look down at John, his beloved disciple, and say, John, take care of my mom. As she knelt at the cross, you see, things had changed. His brother James becomes the leader of the church at Jerusalem. In other words, it didn't remain this way. But the point is, is that to experience family hinges upon obedience. Now, now this should, this should absolutely make your heart jump for joy. And here's why. Because it's not a call to abandon earthly family, but it's an invitation by the God of the universe to be a part of His family. He says, those who hear and do are my brothers. They are my family. And He's inviting you to be a part of His family. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is quoting, saying, Come out from among them, the Lord says, and separate yourself, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. In other words, listen and do. And notice what he goes on to say, For I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. What a glorious truth. You see, the call this morning is not to be a perfect father because that's God's job. The call this morning is to be a father who hears, a father who has a soft heart, a father who wants to shine the light of the gospel through his life, a father who wants to be a part of what God has called him to in the lives of those around him, to be a father that produces fruit, to hear the word of God and to do it. Psalm 95 says this, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Please take responsibility for what God is calling you to. So what do you do? Well, quite simply, you begin by humbling yourself before God. That this morning, All of us need to be humbled before the Lord and realize that He gives grace to those who are humble. 
that, that He draws near to us when we're humble. Psalm 10 says, Lord, You have heard the desire of the humble, and You will prepare their heart, and You will cause their ear to hear. Do you see the promise? In other words, this morning, what's, what's standing between you and, and, the, and the father you want to be? What's standing between you and the family you desire to have? What is the problem? And the Bible says, here it is. You humble yourself and come to me and I'll do the rest. I will prepare your heart. I will make your heart soft and pliable. I will give you a heart that will receive the seed of the Word of God. And then I will give you ears to hear that I'll solve this, but you must humble yourself. Because if you're too proud, if you're too, if, if you're too in control, if you don't, if you're too concerned about what other people think, if you can't humble yourself before Almighty God, then you'll miss out on this everlasting, unbelievably too great to comprehend invitation. Listen, in John 15, Jesus says, you're my friends. I mean, just just think about this. You're my friends if you do what I command you. See, when you're obedient, you're in the family. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friend. God's invitation to you this morning is that, yes, dads, Yes, we have the hardest job in the world. Yes, it seems like the weight of the world is bearing down on our shoulders. But God's saying, listen, humble yourself before me. Come to me and seek my face. And I will prepare your heart and I will give you ears to hear. So two things and then we're done. Number one, if you're sitting here this morning and you find yourself in a family that's under the leadership of a fruitful father or husband, the first thing you need to do is you need to thank God for that blessing. Will you thank God this morning for the blessing of the man that God has placed you under and the blessing that that is? And secondly, tell Him Tell him, if you're his wife, if you're his children, tell him how thankful you are for his leadership and his obedience. And tell him that you are committed to pray for him as he seeks to hear God, that you are there to support him and to nurture him. And let him know what that means to you. Because every dad in this room knows what I'm talking about and what this feels like, but none of, none of you who are not fathers can understand how hard it can be to balance all of these things. Secondly, if you have listened to me preach this morning, and during this message you have sat there and you have thought about all the things that apply negatively to the man who is leading you as your husband or as your father. If you have sat there and gone through this checklist in your mind of all the things that he is not doing, the first thing I call you to do this morning is to repent. Repent for your critical spirit. Repent for your lack of support and Come to God and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. For my heart is hard towards my husband, towards my dad. And secondly, I call you to go to your husband or go to your dad and say to him that you would love nothing more 
than to be under His leadership and guidance as He strives to be the dad that God has called Him to be. And that nothing but nothing would make you happier than to see your earthly father become a fruitful father. Encourage dad today. What dad doesn't need today is to be jumped on yet again. Let's encourage the dads in this room. Listen, maybe you have failed in every single area that I have identified today. But glory to God, we serve a God of second chances. We serve a God of supernatural power. We serve a God who says, I will restore even that which the locusts have eaten away. That when you come to me in humility, I will begin to work in you. That no matter how old your kids are, no matter how far gone they are, no matter what your situation is, it's not too late. That there are people here. There are people here who need a spiritual dad and you have an opportunity to be a part of their lives. That listen, it's not about all the mistakes of yesterday. It's about the power of God today, right now in this moment. Let's be courageous. Let's stand up as dads and say, I'm done. I'm done shirking my responsibility. I'm done keeping my mouth shut. I'm done being ashamed of what I don't know. I'm done because I don't lead and I don't do this and I feel like I fail everywhere I go. Let's start today together. We're not condemning you or beating on you or or whipping you down today. We're here to say, God bless you. You're here. Hear His Word and respond to Him. And let's together rise up and say things are going to be different. Our families are going to be healed. Our kids are going to begin to learn to respect and honor their parents. And people are going to lead their families in righteousness. We're going to put the junk off the television. We're going to unhook the internet. We're going to get things out that are ripping us down. We're going to do whatever it takes to be the people God called us to be. Because listen, there's nothing more valuable. There's no invitation greater. There's no greater opportunity than the lives that God has placed in this room right now for you and for me. So let's go. Let's go. Come on, Dad. Mom. Son, daughter, let's go together. Is God who He says He is? Or will we leave yet again unchanged, convicted, convinced, but unchanged? Take heed how you hear. Let's stand, bow our heads. Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your Word. And and God, we thank You for the opportunity that we have today in this moment to hear from You. And so on this, on this day that in this country at this time we celebrate Father's Day, God, we want to thank You for the fathers in this room. And I want to thank You for what Your Word says to them. That if they have a heart to hear, there's more for them. That there's an invitation to come and to be part of your family through obedience. Father, I pray, I pray, Lord, that the seed would not be snatched away this morning. That it wouldn't be choked out by the weeds. That the trials of life would not just pluck it from the soil. But, Lord, that, that men and women and sons and daughters would rise up against 
mediocrity in their Christian experience, Lord, that would rise up against the lie that this world seeks to propagate, that somehow it has something to offer that we might miss out on if we follow you. Lord, we're here this morning to say, God, you represent the greatest adventure that could ever be embarked upon. And our greatest desire is to follow you. And so, Lord, you know every need in this room. We recognize this morning we can't hide anything from you. And yet in the midst of that reality, there's hope because you still love us and care for us. And so, Father, right now, I ask you to call your people unto yourself. Call those in this room who need to commit themselves to hear from you, to lead in you, to change the direction of their families for the better. Oh God, will you call those in this room who don't know you? Father, save those who are apart from you. Let them experience the great joy of becoming your son and your daughter. And Lord, let them know that this is a safe place to come. It's safe here. For all of us know what it feels like to be broken before you and to see you as our only hope. God, will you do in this time what only you can do? And God, I pray you'll be glorified in Jesus' name.